In the United States, freedom of speech and expression is restricted by time, place and manner, though otherwise strongly protected from government restrictions by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, many state constitutions, and state and federal laws. Freedom of speech, also called free speech, means the free and public expression of opinions without censorship, interference and restraint by the government. The term freedom of speech embedded in the First Amendment encompasses the decision what to say as well as what not to say. The Supreme Court of the United States has recognized several categories of speech that are given lesser or no protection by the First Amendment and has recognized that governments may enact reasonable time, place, or manner restrictions on speech. The First Amendment's constitutional right of free speech, which is applicable to state and local governments under the Incorporation Doctrine, prevents only government restrictions on speech, not restrictions imposed by private individuals or businesses unless they are acting on behalf of the government. However, laws may restrict the ability of private businesses and individuals from restricting the speech of others, such as employment laws that restrict employers' ability to prevent employees from disclosing their salary to co-workers or attempting to organize a labor union. The First Amendment's freedom of speech right not only proscribes most government restrictions on the content of speech and ability to speak, but also protects the right to receive information, prohibits most government restrictions or burdens that discriminate between speakers, restricts the tort liability of individuals for certain speech, and prevents the government from requiring individuals and corporations to speak or finance certain types of speech with which they do not agree. Categories of speech that are given lesser or no protection by the First Amendment include obscenity, as determined by the Miller Test, fraud, child pornography, speech integral to illegal conduct, speech that incites imminent lawless action, and regulation of commercial speech such as advertising. Within these limited areas, other limitations on free speech balance rights to free speech and other rights, such as rights for authors over their works, copyright, protection from imminent or potential violence against particular persons, restrictions on the use of untruths to harm others, slander and libel, and communications while a person is in prison. When a speech restriction is challenged in court, it is presumed invalid, and the government bears the burden of convincing the court that the restriction is constitutional. History. England. During colonial times, English speech regulations were rather restrictive. The English criminal common law of seditious libel made criticizing the government a crime. Lord Chief Justice John Holt, writing in 1704-1705, explained the rationale for the prohibition for it is very necessary for all governments that the people should have a good opinion of it. The objective truth of a statement in violation of the libel law was not a defense. Until 1694 England had an elaborate system of licensing, no publication was allowed without the accompaniment of the government-granted license. Colonies. The colonies originally had very different views on the protection of free speech. During English colonialism in America, there were fewer prosecutions for seditious libel than England, but other controls over dissident speech existed. The most stringent controls on speech in the colonial period were controls that outlawed or otherwise censored speech that was considered blasphemous in a religious sense. A 1646 Massachusetts law, for example, punished persons who denied the immortality of the soul. In 1612, a Virginia governor declared the death penalty for a person that denied the Trinity under Virginia's laws divine, moral, and martial, which also outlawed blasphemy, speaking badly of ministers and royalty, and disgraceful words. More recent scholarship, focusing on seditious speech in the 17th-century colonies, when there was no press, has shown that from 1607 to 1700 the colonists' freedom of speech expanded dramatically, laying a foundation for the political dissent that flowered among the revolutionary generation. The trial of John Peter Zinger in 1735 was a seditious libel prosecution for Zinger's publication of criticisms of the governor of New York, William Cosby. 
Andrew Hamilton represented Zinger and argued that truth should be a defense to the crime of seditious libel, but the court rejected this argument. Hamilton persuaded the jury, however, to disregard the law and to acquit Zinger. The case is considered a victory for freedom of speech as well as a prime example of jury nullification. The case marked the beginning of a trend of greater acceptance and tolerance of free speech. First Amendment Ratification In the 1780s after the American Revolutionary War, debate over the adoption of a new constitution resulted in a division between Federalists, such as Alexander Hamilton who favored a strong federal government, and Anti-Federalists, such as Thomas Jefferson and Patrick Henry who favored a weaker federal government. During and after the Constitution ratification process, anti-federalists and state legislatures expressed concern that the new Constitution placed too much emphasis on the power of the federal government. The drafting and eventual adoption of the Bill of Rights, including the First Amendment, was, in large part, a result of these concerns, as the Bill of Rights limited the power of the federal government. Alien and Sedition Acts. In 1798, Congress, which contained several of the ratifiers of the First Amendment at the time, adopted the Alien and Sedition Acts. The laws prohibited the publication of false, scandalous, and malicious writings against the government of the United States, or either House of the Congress of the United States, or the President of the United States, with intent to defame, or to bring them, into contempt or disrepute, or to excite against them, hatred of the good people of the United States, or to stir up sedition within the United States, or to excite any unlawful combinations therein, for opposing or resisting any law of the United States, or any act of the President of the United States. The law did allow truth as a defense and required proof of malicious intent. The 1798 Act nevertheless made ascertainment of the intent of the framers regarding the First Amendment somewhat difficult, as some of the members of Congress that supported the adoption of the First Amendment also voted to adopt the 1798 Act. The Federalists under President John Adams aggressively used the law against their rivals, the Democratic-Republicans. The Alien and Sedition Acts were a major political issue in the 1800 election, and after he was elected president, Thomas Jefferson pardoned those who had been convicted under the Act. The Act expired and the Supreme Court never ruled on its constitutionality. In New York Times v. Sullivan, the Court declared although the Sedition Act was never tested in this Court, the attack upon its validity has carried the day in the Court of History. 1964. Censorship Era. From the late 1800s to the mid-1900s, Various laws restricted speech in ways that are today not allowed, mainly due to societal norms. Possibly inspired by foul language and the widely available pornography he encountered during the American Civil War, Anthony Comstock advocated for government suppression of speech that offended Victorian morality. He convinced the government of New York State to create the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice, in 1873, and inspired the creation of the Watch and Ward Society in Boston in 1878. City and state governments monitored newspapers, books, theater, comedy acts, and films for offensive content, and enforced laws with arrests, impoundment of materials, and fines. The Comstock laws passed by Congress, and related state laws, prohibited sending materials through the U.S. mail that included pornography, information about contraception, abortion, and sex toys, and personal letters mentioning sexual activities. Regulation of American film by state and local governments was supplemented by the Motion Picture Production Code from to 1930 to 1968, in an industry effort to preempt federal regulation. The similar industry-backed Comics Code Authority lasted from 1954 to 2011. Some laws were motivated not by morality but concerns over national security. The Office of Censorship suppressed communication of information of military importance during World War II, including by journalists and all correspondents going into or out of the United States. 
McCarthyism from the 1940s to the 1950s resulted in the suppression of advocacy of communism, and the Hollywood blacklist. This included some prosecutions under the Smith Act of 1940. Modern view. As a result of the jurisprudence of the Warren Court in the mid to late 20th century, the court has moved towards a baseline default rule under which freedom of speech is generally presumed to be protected, unless a specific exception applies. Therefore, apart from certain narrow exceptions, the government normally cannot regulate the content of speech. In 1971, in Cohen v. California, Justice John Marshall Harlan II, citing Whitney v. California, emphasized that the First Amendment operates to protect the inviolability of a marketplace of ideas, while Associate Justice Thurgood Marshall cogently explained in 1972 that, above all else, the First Amendment means that government has no power to restrict expression because of its message, its ideas, its subject matter, or its content. To permit the continued building of our politics and culture, and to assure self-fulfillment for each individual, our people are guaranteed the right to express any thought, free from government censorship. The essence of this forbidden censorship is content control. Any restriction on expressive activity because of its content would completely undercut the profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues should be uninhibited, robust, and wide open. Types of speech. Core political speech. This is the most highly guarded form of speech because of its purely expressive nature and importance to a functional republic. Restrictions placed upon core political speech must weather strict scrutiny analysis or they will be struck down. The primary exception to this would be within the context of the electoral process, whereby the Supreme Court has ruled that suffrage or standing for political office as a candidate are not political speech and thus can be subjected to significant regulations. Such restrictions have been upheld in Buckley v. Vallejo. Commercial speech. Not wholly outside the protection of the First Amendment is commercial speech, which is speech that propose a commercial transaction, as defined by Okralik v. Ohio State Bar Association in 1978. Such speech still has expressive value although it is being uttered in a marketplace ordinarily regulated by the state. In 1980, Central Hudson Gas and Electric Corporation v. Public Service Commission held that restrictions of commercial speech are subject to a four-element intermediate scrutiny. Sorrell v. IMS Health Incorporated, 2011, casts doubt upon whether commercial speech still exists as a distinct type of speech. Expressive conduct. Expressive conduct, also called symbolic speech or speech acts, is nonverbal conduct that intends to communicate a message. Examples include creating or destroying an object when performed as a statement, such as flag burning in a political protest, silent marches and parades intended to convey a message, clothing bearing meaningful symbols, such as anti-war armbands, body language, messages written in code, ideas and structures embodied as computer code, software, mathematical and scientific formulae, and illocutionary acts that convey by implication an attitude, request, or opinion. Expressive conduct is recognized by federal court decisions as being protected under the First Amendment as a form of speech, although this is not expressly written as such in the document. For example, seen in light of the First Amendment, computer code is a way to speak about how a problem is solved, using the precise terms a computer might be given as directions, and flag burning is a way to speak or express forcefully of one's views opposing the acts or political position of the relevant country. Significantly, the possibility exists for a single speech act to be protected or not depending upon context and intention. For example, there may be a First Amendment distinction between burning a flag in protest and the same act performed as mere wanton vandalism. Vague and meaningless speech. Some expressions have an ambiguous, difficult to articulate, unintended, or indiscernible meaning. These include instrumental music, abstract art, and nonsense. These are generally included in protected speech but some of the justifications for doing so do not apply. 
In the 1995 decision Hurley v. Irish American Gay, Lesbian, and Bisexual Group of Boston, the U.S. Supreme Court affirmed that the art of Jackson Pollock, the expressionist music of Arnold Schoenberg, and the semi-nonsense poem Jabberwocky are protected. This stands in contrast to, for example, Nazi Germany, which banned what it called degenerate art and degenerate music. In the 2010 decision Kleinman v. City of San Marcos, the U.S. Fifth Circuit noted a number of cases where artistic expressive elements were mixed with non-speech elements, such as an artistically painted junk car or clothing decorated with graffiti art. In each case, the courts chose to apply full First Amendment protection, but used intermediate scrutiny and upheld the content-neutral government regulations at issue, for example no junk cars displayed on public roads, time and place restrictions on sidewalk vendors. In the case Morse v. Frederick, the defendant claimed the slogan Bong Hai TS4 Jesus intended to provoke amusement or disgust but not advocate anything, but the Supreme Court ruled it could be punished under the school speech doctrine because a reasonable person could interpret it as advocating illegal drug use, which was against school policy. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.